Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you, too much fast food and not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to The John Cordray Show, number 36. Today's title is No Longer a Victim, Healing from Sexual Abuse with Paula Mosier Wallace. Now, my episode today is a little bit longer than normal, but believe me, you will want to listen to this entire interview. It is an amazing testimony of how God has used something terrible in a person's life and made it into a beautiful thing. So listen in on this episode, and I can't wait to introduce to you Paula Wallace. This is the John Cordray Show, the infusion of mental health and healthy living. Welcome to the green zone of inspiration, encouragement, and enlightenment. Discover how you can feel better so you can start living better. And now, your host, your friendly neighborhood therapist, a national certified counselor, a leading voice of emotionally healthy living, and the mental health dude, John Cordray. And welcome back to the John Cordray Show. I am so pumped, you guys, about introducing to you this woman. Her name is Paula Mosier Wallace. She has an incredible story that I can't wait to uh, let you listen to. And I, I've, before I get to that, I just want to take just a few minutes to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you are new, really appreciate you. Get to know me. I would love to have you follow me at johncordray.com slash iTunes. Subscribe to my show. It'll come right to your phone or mobile device. And for those of you who've been listening to me already and you are subscribed to my show, I really appreciate you as well. I'm not going to let you out. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't let you out. Uh, and if you're listening to this wherever you're at, I want you to really pay attention. This is a very special edition or episode today. It is a very hard topic, you guys. And if you have ever been abused yourself, and I'm talking specifically about sexual abuse, I will say, offer up a little warning, this could cause some triggers for you. So I want to give you a little spoiler. Uh, if this is a potential trigger for you, please pause, stop, don't listen to it yet until you're ready, okay? But this is uh, this this whole episode is going to be primarily Paula talking about her testimony. And let me just read to you a little bit of her bio that she gave me. And this is amazing, guys. Listen to this. So Paula was born in the jungles of Peru to missionary parents. Yeah, you heard me right. She was born in a jungle of Peru. And uh, that was the beginning, beginning in a life that was anything but typical, Paula says. And listen to this. Paula was raped at age five. Doesn't that just bring tears to your eyes? Paula was raped at age five, and she was caught in a cycle of damaging and abuse, which lasted well into her 30s. From sexual abuse to later mental, emotional, and even spiritual abuse, Paula developed a victim mentality which fueled decades of continued abuse. The trauma she experienced caused her to develop a variety of what we call psychosomatic illnesses, which at times left her bedridden. Broken beyond endurance and suicidal, Paula cried out to God for help, and God miraculously intervened, faithfully walking with her through a traumatic healing process. Along the way, Paula learned to stand up for her abusers, or up to her abusers, and stop attracting predators. She now knows from personal experience the healing, deliverance, and hope that only God can bring. As an an ex-victim, 
Paula's passion to help others resulted in her writing the book, Bloom in the Dark, which I have to say you've got to get. It is amazing. It's a compilation of true stories shared by women who have walked through personal darkness and abuse. Each story tells how God met, healed, and restored an ex-victim. Readers will discover that they are not alone and there is lasting hope and healing. I just love that bio. It is amazing to see the brokenness, the healing, and how God intervened all in that short paragraph that I just read. So I cannot wait to introduce you to Paula, and I'm going to put all of her contacts, uh, including how you can get a copy of her book, Bloom in the Dark, on my show notes on my website. So uh, make sure you go there at johncordray.com. You'll get all the information there. Uh, on a side note, I'm going to put her picture on there as well. And personally, <laughs> I think Paula looks like Lorelai on the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Lauren Graham. All right, I just let you in on a little secret. Yes, I watch the Gilmore Girls every episode, very faithful with my wife. <laughs> I loved it. I love that show. Okay, let's get going. Uh, listen in. And this is ex- uh, episode 36. And it's No Longer a Victim, Healing from Sexual Abuse with Paula Mosier Wallace. So listen in and say hi and listen and really pay attention to what Paula has to say. So my story starts as a missionary preacher's kid down in South America. I was born in the jungles, um, foothills of the Andes in Peru. And um, so my start is not the average Um, start there and moved to Georgia when I was seven and learned Spanish. I mean, learned English at that point. Um, Spanish was my first language. So, okay. I I, got to pause you just for a second. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around what you just said. (laughs) You were born in the jungle. Mm -hmm. So the jungle book is what's Mm -hmm. coming to my mind. That's you. You're, You're a girl, not a boy, but you were born in the jungle. That's yeah, I have a picture of me that looks like Tarzan's daughter <laughs> walking across bamboo barefoot over a, a creek that's actually a tributary into the Amazon. So, wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> wow. That's really cool. We could do a whole episode just your experiences growing up in the jungle. That would be pretty amazing in and of itself, but that's not why we're here. I want to yeah. hear your story, and I so rudely interrupted you. So, I wanted you to kind of keep going um you know keep telling us your story what brought you to this point that you're at in your ministry so that part of my story started when i was five and i got raped by a man in my church and um that's not a good launching point for a child right and i was feeling so ashamed and guilty that i did not um, tell anybody um, and in fact, one of the only stories in my book that I'll admit to being me is the free to feel again poem that's near the beginning of the book. And that's the emotional process that I went through in relation to that particular incident. And it's just letting, um, letting people know the, the journey and the heartbreak and the, um, the damage that comes with that from a straight emotional standpoint and my personal um, experience. And, um, that kind of set me up to be a victim, um, in a variety of other ways, um, over the years with, um, different situations, different men and, a very difficult marriage, um, that ended almost four years ago. And so now I'm a single mom raising three boys. And, um, through the process of the divorce, I started, um, going to counseling and, realized that um, actually digging up the hurt and the damage was a good thing because then I could process it and actually work through um, some of that and start um, really, truly healing um, in a way that um, was changing. And I had been through some pretty severe brokenness um, before that and had gotten intervention-style help. And so my healing journey uh, has been a lifelong process um, because the damage has been a lifelong process. And as a Christian, I went to God um, all along. Um, I didn't trust people um, for obvious reasons. And so my relationship with God was the 
the steadying factor in the middle of uh, my abuse. But in the church especially, we're too ashamed and afraid, especially when it includes abuse that is sexual, um, for instance. And we we feel like um, people would judge us or um, not love us anymore. And obviously from a five-year-old's perspective, um, everything's egocentric. We all, you know, it's all about us. And when you kind of have your emotional development stunted um, that way at that young an age, then it's difficult to process adult situations in an adult way. And so reacting as a victim and a child in adult situations, you set yourself up for additional abuse and um, your responses um, encourage predators instead of keeping them at bay. And so I kind of started building an abuse resume um, that included um, physical, mental, emotional, and what I call spiritual abuse, um, which is very broad range um, damage. But when I started really working through pieces, um, I could see the healing in the areas. And not traditional, you know, I'm a survivor and um, I can get past it and kind of ignore it or forget about it now because I've been there. But actually having the miraculous intervention where God can heal and restore beyond just coping mechanisms and processing things. And so I started responding to the similar situations that had opened doors to abuse in the past with a different reaction. I started responding um, more like a healthy person as opposed to a broken, damaged person like I was. And realizing that change in healing, that the miraculous intervention could add to the help and counseling and benefit, um, made me really wish I had gone for that type of help a whole lot sooner that I had not thought that hiding it or being in denial would fix it. Because when you're too ashamed and afraid to get help, um, you really hope that just shoving it down, (laughs) pretending it didn't happen, pretending it's not there, pretending it wasn't abuse, whatever it is that your rationalization is, you hope that it will fix it. And it doesn't. The damage keeps increasing. And I had somebody tell me that feelings that are buried alive stay alive. And and that I needed to actually bring things to the surface and process them and work through them and then ask God for his miraculous healing and intervention to be a part of um, my process. In addition to having professional help and working with people um, who were familiar with my types of problems and issues. And as I got more healed and more whole and what I call becoming an ex-victim, um, I realized that I wanted to reach out and help other women get help sooner, understand the hope that there is, that the change that's available um, a lot sooner. And kind of a catalyst in that process was a, um, a lawsuit, a federal, state, and local um, sexual harassment lawsuit that um, I filed because I needed to learn to stand up. And there comes a point in time where you're out of options other than stopping it. You can run away or you can stand up. And for me to really change the cycle of abuse, I had to be able to stand up. Um, And so with the the help of uh, attorneys and counselor and different pieces, um, I was able to um, actually face and deal with, with a situation um, which I can't get into was that I had taken a stand and nobody could take that away from me Um, and it doesn't have to be something that dramatic um, for anybody but there's always little areas in your life there's always places where taking a stand with the right support and um, team in place to to give you that backup and strength um, can kind of change the tables a little bit where you're not being the victim anymore. You're actually, um, you're actually being the, the whole person who would be capable of standing up for themselves. And um, with all of that, I realized that I wanted to get this stuff that I had learned, the message across to other people um, who were like me, who were the silent victim sitting in church next to me. Um, I wanted to let them know that they weren't alone and that there was hope. 
And I wanted to do it rather than the standpoint of a therapist or somebody who's helping um, correct the problem professionally. I wanted to be the sister that is sitting next to you saying, hey, I've been there. I know what it feels like. And there's hope. There's hope for change. There's hope that this doesn't have to continue. There's, um, there's just that sisterhood of you're not alone. Um, there's possibilities. It's worth the risk to get help. And the 20 um, other women that worked with me on the stories that are in Bloom in the Dark, um, each one of them was able to share from their perspective of healing to actually share their stories. Um, of course, they're anonymous because there's perpetrators that could come after um, and there's consequences that could go with that. So um, I have to protect their anonymity. But with that safety, they were able to be really honest about what they had been through and how God had met them. And it's it covers all different types of abuse. And in some cases, not even abuse, just areas of brokenness and pain that are not the things that we talk about in public, um, especially not in church. And just reaching out with that um, solidarity of of ex-victims saying, you know, if God could meet all of us in all these different types of brokenness, then God could meet you too. Absolutely. And I just want to just, I want to go back just a little bit what you have said. And I think you being open and transparent and vulnerable with your story, I think there are a lot of people who are listening to you who are hiding. Or maybe they're not hiding, but they're ashamed of what happened and they're not telling anybody. And I, I know I have had a lot of clients when they come to, to see me for various reasons, if they have been sexually abused, whether it's a, a man or a woman, I am most of the time I am the first one that they tell. Mm-hmm. And perhaps they've been married for many, many years, and they haven't even told their spouse right? because of that shame. And, and they're wanting to bury it, and they'll say, well, the past is a past, and I just want to get through this. I, don't want, I want to forget about it. But what you just said a little bit ago, you can't forget about it. It stays with you. If you bury something alive, it's still alive. It's going to come out. And I loved the, the phrase that you said a little bit ago. You are an ex-victim. You're an ex-victim. Right. And people ask me, I'm wearing a a shirt often that says ex-victim on it. It's um, a poem in the book as well, which goes through the process of how we're in denial. And then we start recognizing that we actually do qualify as a victim. Um, But we're angry because we don't want to be that victim. And the more we learn about what a victim is and how it applies to us, um, the more we don't want it and realizing that there actually is hope for changing that. And just because I admit I'm a victim today doesn't mean that I have to stay one for the rest of my life. And we've seen the people who take victimization and turn it into their identity. And a lot of people want to be in denial about being a victim because they don't want to become that person they've met who uses victimization as an excuse for everything under the sun and will never take responsibility and actually work towards change. And so when people ask me about that, I just let them know that I have no more shame or guilt over being an ex-victim than I do over being an ex-wife. Saying I'm an ex-wife just says that I was a wife for 15 years and I'm not a wife anymore. And yes, in the church, that can also have guilt and shame, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, But for me, it's, you know what? I was a victim, but I don't have to carry the shame and guilt around anymore because I'm not there anymore. That's not who I am. That doesn't identify me anymore, but I don't have to be in denial about it. I can accept it and state, yes, that was true. I was victimized and I was a victim in a whole range of different areas over a lot of different years. And some of those stories are in my book. I'm not telling you which ones. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. Get a, uh, get a find, uh, get a, buy the book and read the stories, and maybe they can try to pick the ones out. <laughs> they can always guess. Though we did change all the identifying factors for everybody because, um, obviously, to protect yep. um, people's identities, we had to do that um, and had the best attorneys and Christian counselors reviewing the book to make sure that it would not do harm to anybody um, either who's telling their story or anybody reading it. Um, But the ex-victim is something near and dear to me because I needed a way to identify where I was now, not where I had been. 
but being honest about it to myself and to everybody else. And being an ex-victim is something that uh, me and other women I've talked to, um, we relate it to conquering something. It is not being in denial. It's admitting it. It's being straightforward about it. But it's not just being a survivor. Um, A survivor is out of their abuse and they may have taken steps to get help and to process their abuse, but they're not in a position to actually reach out to other people from the platform of what they've learned through the abuse or from the healing process. They are still needing it to be a part of their life that they are not open about. And to me, an ex-victim is somebody who is healed enough to actually be clear and open that they were a victim. And they don't that. have to they don't have to explain why or how or what right. happened, but they can admit openly that they were a victim and that they have had healing and redemption and they want to reach out and help other people who are still victims have hope mm. that they don't have to stay a victim anymore. And that's a completely different level of healing and processing when you can do that. And for some people I know where they are in their journey by whether if I offer them, hey, I'd love to give you an ex-victim t-shirt, and they look at me after telling me they're a survivor, they've healed, they've whatever, and they look at me and say, I couldn't put that on. Because there's still something in them that has that guilt and shame attached that um, couldn't publicize Mm -hmm. the fact that they've been there. And I just let them know that there's opportunity for continued healing. Because there comes a point in time, I believe, in a healing journey where you where you can say that you've been there and you can reach out with that hand of hope to somebody else to say, Hey, it's possible. And I want to share with you the fact that you can go there and help them get into counseling, help them reach out for help and just be that support for them. Not that I'm the one that's going to help fix them. I'm very clear that I'm not a therapist and I don't want to be. Um, My role is more of an advocate. It's more of a sister in arms. It's, it's the person whose testimony says that the change in hope is possible because I've been there. I'm a living witness to it. Yeah, I love it. I wanted to kind of, if you don't mind, I, I would like to kind of go back uh, towards the beginning of what you were talking about. You Just to kind of recap, uh, you, you had mentioned that you were raped at age five uh, by, uh, 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 was it a church leader or somebody in the church? It was a man in the church. He okay. was not a leader. Okay, so a man in the church. That could have very easily turned you off to God. Yes. And, 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 and a lot of times that happens. We, most of the time, and you, I know you know this, uh, but most of the time people are abused by someone that they trust. Right. Someone that they know. And I've had clients who talk about being abused in a church as well, inside the actual church, the building. And that, a lot of times, it... it makes him angry at God. It makes him angry at church. But what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is it, it obviously it hurt you and you're wounded, but you're not allowing that to get in the way of your relationship with God. You're, it's the opposite. You, you have turned to God and allowed him to heal you, which I think is so important because I think a lot of Christians wrestle with this, that they they get angry, and so often bad things that happen, they get angry, and they get angry at God, and they don't want to go to church. But you are saying the exact opposite. Your hurt, your pain, your struggle brought you even closer to God. Is that right? Definitely, because I recognize the difference between people and God. Yeah. Um, people are flawed and people are damaged and people damage and hurt other people. Um, But my understanding of God was that he was a God of love Hmm. and evil wants to damage, hurt and destroy people, not God. He wants to redeem and heal and bring hope. And I was immersed in church because of how I grew up. Hmm. Um, And I had, listen to not just the we didn't do the little Sunday school version with you know just coloring pictures we were actually in our church um, in the on the mission field there we were a part of teaching the Bible as kids we were a part of um, regular services and outreach outdoors and and all different types 
where I'd heard the truth um, in the Bible consistently from, I mean, my entire life. Um, so I, at one point when I was mad at God, because I had dealt with what I call spiritual abuse, and that's when leadership in the church uses their position um, and their perception of God to beat you over the head and try to control and manipulate you. And um, that's a whole different subject. <laughs> but I had experienced that, and I was really um, angry because I couldn't get away from it and stay true to what I felt I was supposed to be doing at the time because um, some people were using their position of authority um, to do me harm. And I was actually yelling at God about it because um, I have one of those relationship things that's not about religion. Um, it's about a personal relationship. And so I talked to him like I would a person. And I'm like, God, this isn't fair. I want to turn my back on you and everything else. Of course, I'm telling him this, right? Um because this hurts too much, this is too damaging, and what so clearly came to me um, as I was pitching my little fit was um, everybody that's hurt you is accountable for their choices. I will hold them accountable for their choices, but any way that you let other people's choices come between you and me, you're responsible. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's powerful. And that woke me up to it's my choice what they did to me was not my choice but forgiving them is my choice and so I've had to choose and say I'm not going to let destructive behavior that has been done to me people abusing me or betraying me or hurting me I'm not going to let their choices destroy my life I can't change the past but I can change my future and a part of my becoming an ex-victim was separating myself from the bitterness and anger and resentment and hatred and all those things that come with being hurt at, at the levels I have been and saying that I refuse to have that destroy me. Mm. I'm going to choose forgiveness because that sets me free. Mm. They're still responsible for their consequences and, and what they make, their choices in the future and whether or not they seek God for redemption or healing, that's their responsibility. My responsibility is how do I choose the path that is going to bring wholeness and life and joy to me? Does that make sense? That makes total sense, and I love it. And I think that is a, a great message that I, I think people need to hear who have gone through a lot of hurt and pain and struggle in their past, even if it – Maybe maybe they people who are listening to this, maybe they haven't been sexually abused, but maybe they have gone through it or hurt and pain. That's exactly kind of the reason why I'm starting my podcast is I want to hear the stories and for people to realize that their hurt and their pain doesn't keep them down. It doesn't have to keep them down, but they can use it in a way to help others. And that's your story. You are using your story and your hurt and your pain and your wounds as a way of helping other people in their hurt and their wounds and in their story. And so I can totally relate. We are only responsible for what we can do now. We can't change the past, just like you said. And we don't have to stay a victim, like you just said. I love that. I just love that. So can you just talk a little bit? Well, let me ask you this. If you, I know you talk to many, many women in your ministry, mm -hmm. and I want to get to your ministry here in a second. But what is it that you would encourage uh, maybe another woman or even a man, because men are not, uh, you know, men get abused as well. But I know your ministry is primary for women. What would you say to a woman who's struggling and, and, and maybe has a similar story as yours? What is maybe some a piece of advice that maybe you haven't already said or you want to highlight what you already said uh, to help that person who is listening to, to us today? We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. Each week, we talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, 
personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us, because no matter who you are, we all smell like humans. Please follow the link in the show notes. Well, a big piece for me was how to change um, the atmosphere around me. Um, when I would get overwhelmed with everything from flashbacks to the memories and, and the damage, how do you fight that on a minute-by-minute basis? Because if you build up enough um, history of abuse and you're actually letting it come to the surface to face it, um, it can really torment you. And so how do you um, fight that on, on a daily, minute-by-minute basis? And... Uh, piece of it for me was um, really feeding myself scripture. You know, if you're sick um, with a disease, you go looking for the medicines, you go looking for the healthy interventions, you go find the things that are going to help you fight that sickness. And with emotional things, a lot of times, um, it's how do I stop the um, substance abuse or how do I stop a damaging coping mechanism but not necessarily how do I surround myself with the hope and life that's going to um, give me that positive, healthy um, feed in instead. So I only play um, encouraging Christian music because I need to feed my soul and spirit positive, encouraging, helpful um, food. Uh, I read um, things that are going to be encouraging and positive. I read the Bible a lot because I need the hope and the healing that's offered um, in there. And I, if you looked at where I live, I have my walls surrounded with pictures that, um, evoke emotions of warmth and beauty. And I have all of those sayings and scriptures all over my walls. Um, people laugh about it when they come. I'm like, I want everywhere I look, I want to see hope and positive encouragement and, I want to have what I hear and what I see and what I feed myself to be positive and the activities and actions, you know, doing some exercise that helps build up endorphins. So that brings positive feeling. Um, if you get outside and see the beauty of nature, that increases your positive um, feelings, being around people, in my case, my three amazing children, um, that add life and excitement and just the wonder that a child brings, um, those types of things um, counterbalance the darkness um, that could try to get your attention on it. And then um, a piece of fighting it is um, self-pity will come in and it's, you know, all these other people haven't had to go through what I've had to go through and my pain and my damage and the abuse I had to experience was the worst. It was the most incredible. And it doesn't matter how small your abuse is or how big it is. If it's yours, it's the biggest there ever was. Right. Um, that pain is the overwhelming pain. And when people are like, well, mine wasn't as bad as yours or mine, I said, there's no comparison. Whatever you went through is the worst because it's all that you have on your radar when it comes to pain or abuse. Right. So there's no bigger or lesser um, than that. But what you can do um, with all of that is go to God. It's surround yourself with positive, encouraging people. Get um, professional intervention. Um, it's replace the negative things with positive things. Bring light into your life um, every way you can uh, so that you're not encouraging that. And with self-pity, because that will drag you down and instantly bury you in the darkness and the damage, um, gratitude is the antidote for self-pity. I love it. So every time I start thinking about the bad stuff, um, I transition into a what do I have that I can be grateful for? What have I not been through that I could have been through too? Well, you know, what damage or abuse? And that's the cool thing about the book is it covers such a broad range of types of abuse. People who've been abused will recognize themselves one, two, three, multiple stories. Hmm. But there's usually at least a few stories in there that have types of damage or pain that they have not been through. And that helps them see that there's things they can be grateful for that they didn't have to live through. Sure. 
And so some of it is just perspective um, in understanding that there's always something. Are you still alive? You know, the fact I woke up alive this morning is a huge benefit because that means there's hope. There's there's possibility for change. Right. There's possibility to get out of the damage. And so it's for so many areas for me, it was that shift in perspective, that shift in choice. Um, if I'm angry at somebody, it's okay, I need to choose to forgive them because as long as I'm stewing in anger, I haven't forgiven them. Right. And so I need to go back through. And it's cool because Jesus was really clear um, on the Sermon on the Mount about blessing them that curse you and doing good to them that despitefully use you. Um, I have taken very proactive steps to do good to some people who really hurt me. Not that I need to put myself in their range to um, be under their abuse again. Obviously, that would be stupid. But there are ways that you can do good for, bless, pray for, where you're not in any way um, subjecting yourself to ongoing abuse, but where you're taking proactive steps that counteract the bitterness and the anger and actually help that, help that forgiveness be something that is genuine instead of just, you know, oh, well, I said I forgave them. Right. Because that doesn't stop the torment or the damage, but doing good for them and blessing them. One person who really hurt me um, has cancer. And when I would start thinking about how they had hurt and betrayed and done damage to me, um, I instantly have trained myself to pray for their health and pray for their healing and ask God to bless them and their relationships because that frees me up. Mm-hmm. And that torment stops yeah. because I'm doing what Jesus said to fight it. Right, right. And he can never go wrong by doing what Jesus says, right? <laughs> That's my perspective. So far, it's worked out um, yeah. to really help me um, heal at a level that um, I've been told is pretty above average um, where I've been to where I am now yeah. is... Um, Dramatic. In fact, I laughed when one um, counselor was um, talking to me about my story, and I was telling. They're like, "Well, I can tell you're 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 seem like a pretty healthy, normal, put together person. Prove to me you were abused." Wow. And I said, "Well, I have newspaper articles, and I have um, witnesses, and I have people that can back me up um, on a variety of stories that I could tell you." But the fact that you would, rather than question my healing, that you would question the abuse, um, that is, to me, about as good as it can get when it comes to being an ex-victim. Wow. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Well, uh, I want to just kind of bring us to a close here. Obviously, I can talk talk about this stuff all day. uh, But I want to kind of bring it to a close. I would love for you to kind of talk about your ministry, and then also talk about your book, because I know a lot of people who are listening to this. I'm going to put all this information on my show notes, so uh, if you're driving or somewhere where you can't write it down, that's okay. You go to my show notes, and you can find it there. But Paula, can you can you explain a little bit what how you started your ministry, and then what do you do in your ministry? And then talk, you already mentioned your book a little bit, but where can people get your book? Um, well, I self-published the book instead of going through traditional publishing, though I had the right contacts and way to go about that, because um, the back of the book says there's a buy one, give one policy for every book that's purchased. One is donated to a charity helping hurting women. And I'm working with six charities right now um, in doing that. And on the website, um, bloominthedark.com, people can actually go in and see uh, ministries that we're working with um, on sharing that book with hurting women who can't afford it. And so every time somebody buys one um, book, whether it's paperback or a Kindle on Amazon um, or through my website, one is donated um, to a charity helping hurting women. And that is part of the outreach because whether it's preventative um, lesson that girls or women um, get from reading the book or whether it's compassion for people who've been hurt and damaged um, or whether it's um, understanding the process of victimization, what it actually looks like, um, kind of breaking through the denial 
when you're walking in shoes with us, you feel it and start recognizing things in your own life that you may not have really well hopefully i think we've uh lost some audio here so uh you've been listening to paula wallace and uh well kind of waiting to see if she can come back here paula are you still there I can hear you. Okay, can you great. hear me now? <laughs> yes, we just had a minor technical difficulty there. <laughs> Where did you lose me? <laughs> well, um, you mentioned your website, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you can get that at my show notes. And your book is Bloom in the Dark. And we've been talking about your story. And it's uh, really the, the book is a bunch of stories, isn't it? Of women sharing their story, their hurt and their struggle and how... Uh, they are not no longer a victim. They're an ex-victim. Uh, and what 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 is your ministry? The ministry is being an advocate and a speaker um, to bring awareness to the fact that um, victimization and damage, all different types of abuse, are very common. The church, especially, is not immune to it. Um, and in opening the discussion and bringing awareness, helping women feel safe enough. And feeling like they're not alone so they can recognize the hurt and damage in their own life and be willing to risk getting help, be willing to risk processing and working through the damage and the emotions um, where as long as I think I'm the only one who's ever been through that, then I am going to keep buying into the shame and guilt and hiding it. But when I know that, for instance, in this book, you know, there's 30 stories, poems and letters that are tied to women who have been through these things and found hope and healing, then I'm really not alone. Like I if I'm not alone and all these women got help and had God meet them and got healing and changed their lives, then I can, too. And there have been women who have reached out um, to family members and wives that have told husbands and moms that have told daughters and just open discussions in their own families, in their churches, um, stopped abuse, recognized it, stepped out of it, um, gotten help or counseling. Um, The ministry is not a a formal set structured location or um, whatever. I work with people and talk to them individually. I do speaking engagements. Um, I do book signings and um, outreach with the book and things like the AACC convention where I met you. Um, Being out there raising awareness, my goal is to have uh, have the opportunity to understand and walk through um, the stories that they have there, understanding that there's hope that they can share with I think we're having some more technical difficulties. Never experienced it. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I think maybe, Paula, this might be a, a sign that we need to uh, get uh, end or close our time together. And I just can't thank you enough for taking some time out today to share your story, being vulnerable, being transparent. And, uh, and, and what you do to help other women is just amazing. I know I met you not, really not that too long ago in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and you were wearing your shirt, your ex-victim shirt, and and uh, I came up to you and I was listening to your story and I said I would love to have you on my show sometime. And you said absolutely. Here's my book. You signed it, and here we are. Well, Paula, thank you so much for coming on. I know we had some technical difficulties here and there throughout our, our conversation. Uh, that happens. I think most people relate to that. Uh, but I really do appreciate you coming on my show today and taking some time out to share your story. Uh, you, uh, my, my, my show is all about sharing your story and, and getting the story out there because we all have a story and our story is our story. And you mentioned earlier that, well, your story might be bigger than my story, but that's okay because we all have a story. We all have a journey that God has put us on. So I really appreciate coming on, and I just want to give you the last word here. So if you could just uh, one more mention one more about your book, because I think it's a great book. I hope people run to your website, and I guess you can't run to your website, but go to your website. 
<laughs> and and check out your book, get your book, and an autographed copy, I think you mentioned, and maybe some other things, and especially learn more about you and your ministry. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you have the last word. So the outreach is uh, me and other women who have been through um, hard stuff and have come out as ex-victims, um, reaching out and giving hope to other victims through the stories in the book, um, through the blog um, that is uh, linked to on bloominthedark.com, and also um, through ways that we share person to person. We have Bloom in the Dark and ex-victim shirts and necklaces and um, bracelets and different things available as ways for people to share. People can um, buy the book, and then a second one will get donated to a charity helping hurting women, like I said before. And that's an opportunity to reach out and share life to somebody else, whether you know what their hurt is or not. It's always an opportunity to let them hear from us what we've been through and how God met and healed us to give them hope, regardless of what their circumstances are. And so we want to do a grassroots, um, raise awareness, open the discussion, and give um, hope to people who've been through hard stuff that they're not alone and that there's opportunities for healing and it's worth the process to go get help. It's worth the risk um, to open the discussion and talk to somebody that can help you or stand with you or pray with you. And so it's a grassroots movement where every woman and every man for that matter, especially men who are in counseling, helping other um, people, they may not be able to relate to the wife that they're reaching out to um, in marriage counseling the same way. And a lot of times if they would just share this book with them, then the wife would have the courage to stand up and say, well, what I've never told my husband or anybody else is this is what happened to me as a child or this is where I've been. And so um, for pretty much any woman who's out there um, who either cares about somebody who's been hurt, has been hurt themselves, or has a story of healing that they just haven't felt the courage to share, um, Bloom in the Dark is a movement to recognize that our hope and our life and our growth can reach those around us and give them courage and life and hope. And that being an ex-victim is something that anybody can become if they've been a victim before and actually use their pain and damage to reach out and encourage and help somebody else. And that adds extra hope and healing because now I have a purpose and good that's coming out of my damage and brokenness. So that's our heart. Um, uh, all the women who have participated so far and are daily um, sharing the book and sharing stories. Um, I'd love to hear stories from anyone who has a testimony to share that could be in a blog or could be shared um, in the future through a book or presentations um, where the more of us that are out there talking, the more help and hope there is for other people. So um, join our website, follow our blog, um, get involved and become a part of the healing and solution for yourself or the women around you. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much, Paula. I really do appreciate what you do. I appreciate your friendship and just your willingness to let others know that they don't have to be a victim. They're an ex-victim. I love it. Great. Hey, have a great rest of the day. And I appreciate, again, you coming on. And hopefully we can do some more collaborative things uh down the road and, and if you have any other books that come out or anything like that down the road love to have you back on because this is a story that needs to be told because lots of people need to hear it okay i'm gonna let you go thank you so much appreciate it you take care bye-bye have a blessed day wow what an incredible story i told you that this would be an incredible story thank you for listening through the entirety i know it was longer than normal but i think it was worth it wasn't it so i want to just end here and i want to encourage you not i don't want you to leave leave you discouraged i want to encourage you so if you have been sexually abused and and by the way the the statistics are skyrocketing guys um, and that's just a reporting. So I know there are probably literally thousands of people who are listening to this episode who have been abused. And many of you have never said that to anybody. You never admitted it. You never talked to anybody. I've had many clients in my office who tell me as their therapist for the very first time. They've never told anyone else. 
And guys, you need to. You listen to Paula. She is someone who has experienced it in her own life. And not only has she told somebody, she's told a lot of people. And, uh, and a lot more now that heard this episode. And she wrote a book. And I really want to direct your attention here. Uh, her book is on her website at Bloom in the Dark. Bloominthedark.com. And you can get it there. And she told me that she has a policy, buy one, give one. That means for every book that she sells, she gives another copy free of charge to a ministry that ministers to other women who have been abused. Isn't that cool? I think that's just amazingly cool. So make sure you go and check out Paula. And if this has been helpful for you by listening to Paula, let her know. Reach out to her and say thank you so much for what you're doing. She has a ministry. She's a speaker and an author and an advocate. And she is a prime example of the people that I want to bring to you to share their story and how they're using their hurt and their pain and their suffering in a way that helps other people. You can do the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. So whatever it is that you're hurting from and whatever your wounds are, I want to encourage you to not only tell somebody about it, but help somebody through their pain. That, I think, is a great sign of healing and hope. And I want to offer that to you today. So uh, thank you again for tuning in. And again, I just want to mention you can subscribe to my show on johncordray.com slash iTunes. I would really appreciate if you do that and leave me a, a little review and uh, some star ratings. That just helps me out so much, guys. You, you just have no idea uh, how much that helps. So if you have uh, just a, a minute or two to do that, I would appreciate that. And uh, uh, also go to my website at johncordray.com. All right, I've taken up enough of your time today. Thank you so much. Pass this along, this episode, if you think somebody else would... Uh, be interested in it, be like to hear it, could benefit from it. You can go to my website and look at all my archives and pass each individual episode to whoever you think would benefit from it. So thanks again. I hope you're having a great day or night or morning, whatever time it is for you. And I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you. And don't forget, I am your chief encouragement officer, your CEO. All right, I'm taking off. Have a great day. Appreciate you, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You have been listening to The John Cordray Show. Remember, your story isn't over yet. Together, we can break the stigma of mental health. Together, we can make a difference. Be sure to catch the next episode of The John Cordray Show. Until next time, stay in the green zone.